two-minute opening statements. And again, because of the coin toss, uh, first opening statement goes to... No. Is that better? All right. Does that part of my two minutes, Bernie? <laughs> it is not. <laughs> I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank all of the sponsors for putting this event on. I want to thank my opponent and Bernie. Um, it's very important that our community hears what both of us have to say, so thank you for being here. Eight years ago, I was elected as your Springfield City Treasurer, and eight years ago, I never thought I'd be sitting here doing this. This is a surprise to me. Um, it is a surprise to me because I just thought I was going to become the treasurer and do that for 12 years and then figure out my life from there. But my leadership style guides me in a different direction. My leadership style tells me that it's important that we have changes in our community with our infrastructure, our streets, our sidewalks, with our homelessness situation, to be a champion for the people who need us for economic development to bring jobs and growth to our community. Beautification of the city is something I'm passionate about. Our entryways need to be improved. And in City Hall, we need to streamline our operations and do more to make it business friendly and customer friendly for you, our citizens. So those are some of the reasons that I decided to run for office. And I have to say that my parents are here and my husband is here. My husband, Mike, and I live on the North End. We raised our children in Springfield. We have two grandchildren. And they've been so supportive with me. And I just want to say thank you to them during my opening statement because I might forget during my closing statement. So we're going to do it now. But I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and get to work for you as your mayor. Mayor, thank you, Treasurer Busher. Mayor Langfelder. Thank you. Good evening, and thank you to the Chamber of Commerce, WMAY, and Illinois Times for the opportunity to discuss Springfield's future. I'm Mayor Jim Langfelder, lifelong resident of Springfield, dedicated husband for 33 years, father of three adult children, and pre one precious grandchild. I served in the private sector in retail and in banking, and as city treasurer for 12 years and nearly eight years as mayor. My leadership successfully led Springfield through a two-year financial crisis when the state of Illinois did not have a budget. During that time, the state stymied growth by owing our medical community over $100 million and CWLP over $15 million. For the last three years, we all endured the health crisis. During this unprecedented time, I continued city services while protecting our workforce with zero layoffs or furloughs. We did over $50, over $50 million of infrastructure improvements, provided $1.5 million in utility assistance to struggling businesses and residents, and helped over 70 businesses with a public-private microloan fund, implemented ShotSpotter and license plate readers to protect our community, partnered with School District 186 to provide hotspots for remote learning, partnered with Salvation Army to provide 24-7 homeless shelter services, partnered with Related Midwest to do a $36 million housing and workforce training project for Poplar Place, one of our highest crimed areas. And we also partnered with YMCA and Memorial Health Services to build the $30 million state-of-the-art downtown YMCA. I put the city of Springfield in a solid financial position, enabling us to catch up with Springfield's growth by building the first new modern firehouses in over 25 years and first expansion of Lincoln Library services in decades.
We will continue the momentum by building on the best of our community strengths so all Springfield will be thriving. I appreciate everyone's attention tonight's discussion and appreciate your vote on April 4th. Thank you, Thank Mayor. You. I think uh, let's try to hold down the applause as we go along during the debate because that will allow for more questions. Right. Um, uh, let us, uh, first question goes to Treasurer Busher again because of the coin toss. How can you make opening a business and doing business in Springfield easier? I think that's an easy one. We need to streamline our services in City Hall. We need to have online permitting. We need to have online plant submission. If I hear a complaint from our business community once, I've heard it a hundred times. We're difficult to do business with is what they tell me. It's part of why I'm running. It's not our employees. It's the system that's in place. It's time for us to streamline our systems, do more business online, and make it easier for those who want to come into our community and start business and those who are in our community starting businesses to have a user-friendly environment in City Hall. It is my goal to have everything online. I have worked extremely hard for the past eight years in the treasurer's office, and we have a lot online that was never online before. And I promise you as your mayor, you will be able to have online plan submission, you will have online applications and payments so that it's easier to do business in Springfield. The second thing I would like to do, Bernie, is I would like to create a position that will walk the process through from when you apply to when it is approved and that employee will call you and give you updates on your application. Currently, we have to have the public search with us and call us and leave messages to find out where that process is. We need to be more customer friendly and take care of those businesses that we are attracting to our community. Mayor Langfelder, also, how do you make opening a business and doing business easier? Yeah, I know the importance of online. That's why as treasurer, I uh, helped develop the ARIA system for a centralized database for uh, collections. The other thing is with CityWorks, we adopted that. And the important thing when you're mayor moving into a new position is not necessarily build on your own and see what you can do. You need to assess what's being there right now. So we've done that. We've adopted CityWorks. It's a platform across all our department lines. It allows for online permitting. Uh, and the most important thing it does is make sure CWLP, Public Works, all our departments are working together succinctly, whether it's for businesses or for you as residents. So if you have an issue that you call in on, we understand the workflow of that project, where it is instead of paper sitting on someone's desk waiting for them to come back to process it. The other thing is we're working with the Springfield Salmon Growth Alliance and the Chamber of Commerce uh, to take a look at the developer's agreement. The developer's agreement was a... Uh, you know, an agreement uh, that was under the Hacer administration. We've worked through the process so we can start rebuilding our roads and have planned development so we can take care of urban sprawl. The other thing, we're looking at city code to take a look at where we can uh, improve things for today's service levels. For instance, Bank of Springfield, they had a stacking issue with banks uh, stacking on their drive-ups. So we're looking at that and revising the code and uh, listening to our business community and partnership to make our services better than what they can be today. Okay, thank you. Um, second question, also a business one, and this one goes to Mayor Langfelder first. What kind of business would you like to see come to Springfield? Is manufacturing possible, or what other class of business would you like? Are you trying to get here? 
I think the uh, most important thing we can do, I come from banking, is retain what you have and build upon it. So we have target industries. Uh, you know, everybody understands the importance of our medical community, especially coming out of the pandemic. We should be partnering with them, and we are doing that with the Springfield Sanger Growth Alliance, identifying entities that would complement what they do, whether it's SIU School of Medicine, Memorial, St. John's HSHS. We have at Springfield Clinic, we have a great medical area. But you do that across all our industries with regards to education, energy, and really assess what we have and what would build on their important assets, like LRS, uh, BUN, Brants, they're all global communities. They have resources, and they have individuals that need those resources. Those are the types of businesses we should assess and try to attract to Springfield. Treasurer Busher, kind of business we should be getting. Yes, sir. Uh, the business I want to attract is more business in the tech industry. I have a 28-year-old that works in tech, and we have no jobs in Springfield for her. None. That's a problem if I want my daughter to live in the town I live in. I talked to one of our big tech industry companies here in Springfield and said, if we want to get more tech industries in Springfield, how do we talk to the affiliates you do business with? Who are they? And how do we get to them to ask them, why are you not in Springfield? How do we get you in Springfield? And the person I spoke to said, Misty, you are the very first city official to ever ask me that question. We have to attract industries that will be good for our citizens. The tech industry, they have higher paying jobs than most industries. The tech industry also, over 25% of their jobs do not require a four-year bachelor's degree. So our, our employers, like our students at Lincoln Land, would have an employer they could go right to, or some students right out of high school. I am definitely attracted to tech, medical technology, all forms of technology. If we could bring a nice technology company in here that would build a building, put workers and our union workers to work, put our local citizens to work at a higher paying wage job, that's success to me. Okay, um, next question goes to Treasurer Busher first. Uh, you already sit at the horseshoe at city council meetings. Please describe your relationship with members of the city council and tell us how you plan to communicate and work with the council over the next four years. So one of the things I have talked to people about is during my campaign is the fact that it bothers me that our city council members who are truly your decision makers, those 10 council members are the decision makers of the city. The mayor is the deciding vote. So without those 10 council members, nothing's going to happen. And they seem to go on a fact finding mission on most Tuesday nights. We need to communicate as an administration to those council members what's on the agenda, why it's on the agenda, and answer their questions. They also feel that there is not a way for them to get a hold of someone in our legal department and a fast, easy process. So I've already talked to someone who works in municipal government in another community, and it is allowed that an attorney who works in the legal department would also have a desk in the council coordinator's office and spend a couple days a week in there and the alderman will know that that attorney is there for them on those specific days of the week at all times. I want our aldermen to be empowered to do their job. They are the people who touch our citizens every day. We definitely need to empower our aldermen, communicate with them, and my relationship with the alderman is very good. Mayor Langfelder, same question about relations with members of the city council. 
Yeah, we have a good relationship, and all you have to do is point to the successes. Coming out of the pandemic, Springfield is pointed to as being one of the top communities to be in post-pandemic. And we've done that by keeping the council together as well as our community during these very challenging and difficult times for all of us. With regards to communications, I communicate directly. Some uh, aldermen or all the women uh, text or call or what have you. So we have direct communication. Uh, my deputy mayor called them every week to see if they have any questions about the agenda or what's uh, being presented at city council. Uh, you have the city council coordinator as well. So uh, if there's issues, we probably should uh, have a discussion with the council members, with the coordinator, and how can that be improved upon. But with the changing dynamics, we've had any time you change a seat at the council, it changes the dynamics of the city council. So I understand that. So after the election, what I would do is sit down with each individual and see what their priorities are, but also their preferred way of communication. Um, on to the next question, and this goes to the mayor first. What mix of hotel rooms and apartments would you like to see in what is now the 30-story Wyndham Hotel downtown? <laughs> One that's successful. <laughs> but uh, really what it comes down to is Springfield's always had that challenge of what do we do 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock and after, you know, People go home from the workplace, things of that nature. And really, to have a thriving downtown, you have to have that 24-7 living. But we understand the retailers and the uh, restaurants and uh, the importance of tourism, so you have to have that proper mix. So through the uh, long discussions that we had, and, you know, some people say, you're not getting along with the council. I think when the city council is discussing an issue as significant as the Wyndham, that's passion. That shows you they care about our community regardless of where they live. And that's the most important part of an individual that serves the public. You want to see that burning desire to truly do what's in the best interest of the city. So we think the right formula is probably around 225, 250 uh, apartments, or I'm sorry, hotel rooms with the uh, rest of the mix being uh, uh, the apartment space. But you have to have that convention space uh, to make sure you draw the tourism, but also you have that 24-7 living. And that's why I'm proud that we uh, have the Honorandac uh, lofts on Madison coming forward with 130 apartments market rate because they understand the importance of the medical community in downtown and what it means not only for Springfield but for them looking to invest in a community. Thank you. Uh, Treasurer Busher on yes, the Wyndham. On the Wyndham there are currently some apartments in that building at this time and the, that is the end of what I would support for apartments. I am in support of office to apartment conversion downtown. We have vacant office buildings that we can make into apartments. I am not in support of hotel to apartment conversion. My stand on this comes from talking to the retail business owners in downtown Springfield. When this issue came up and it became highly debated, I spent my time on my lunch breaks, after work, and on the weekends visiting the retail establishments downtown and talking to the business owners. And here's what they told me. Misty, if that becomes apartments, we, we lose conventions, we close our shop. The citizens of Springfield are not the people coming into our shops buying merchandise on a daily basis. That is the people coming into our town for a convention and the visitors coming to see the Lincoln sites. So without those conventions, we would not have any business. So I don't want to see any more shuttered businesses downtown. That's why I have that desire to do office to apartment conversion. Thank you. 
next question goes to Treasurer Busher first. Sangamon County Sheriff Jack Campbell is among dozens of sheriffs in Illinois who say they will not enforce parts of the state's new assault weapons ban. Uh, it is, of course, in court, so we'll find out what happens to it. But if the law remains on the books, would you tell Springfield Police to fully enforce it? I would definitely work with the command staff at the Springfield Police Department and the working men and women of the Springfield Police Department. I have deep respect for our police department. My own brother is a Springfield City police officer. Those men and women who protect us know what's best for us. Bernie, I don't own an assault weapon. I've never touched an assault weapon. So why would I pretend to be an expert at that? I would look at the experts that we hire at the city of Springfield, and I would lean on them to guide us on what is the right thing to do. Mayor, on the same question. Yeah, we have a uh, great uh, police department, and we've worked hard uh, for that community engagement that's uh, proved beneficial. But we're not going to wait for the assault weapons ban if it comes to fruition. Uh, we're taking guns off the streets, and it's a sad situation when you think last year we took 425 guns off the streets. This year, through the proactive measures of the police department, they've taken over off the streets over 500 illegal guns. These are illegal guns. They're taken off the streets, and they're keeping our community safer because we've seen a drop in violent crime. But it's through that community engagement that they do uh, work with the community to provide safe protection. So... Uh, Again, you know, with the police department, uh, Chief Scarlett's going to be my chief for as long as he'd like to be uh, because he provides that direction. Uh, but we'll see what the courts uh, do at that point in time and have that discussion if it comes to fruition. But the important thing is we continue to enforce today's laws to remove illegal guns off the streets. Okay. Um, to the mayor, uh, another issue recently brought up, uh, sadly, in our city, the case of 35-year-old Earl Moore, Jr., who was placed face down on an ambulance stretcher and died, has yielded murder charges against emergency workers. Do you think racial bias played a role in this incident, and should the city of Springfield take any action or change any policies in reaction to this case? That's a uh, tragic situation and a very difficult, uh, you know, you're asking me to look into somebody's heart and what their intent was, but uh, if you look at the face value of it, that wasn't equal treatment to me. I mean, the, everybody that would have seen that video would understand that wasn't equal treatment. You know, that's how I look at a person, whether they're on the streets or whether we're serving them in any capacity, we should be treating them all the same. But with regards to this particular situation, we did uh, take a look at it. We had that discussion with Chief uh, Blau as well as Chief Scarlett. Uh, the one question we had, or I had in particular, why wasn't the fire uh, called? To, the, to that particular situation. So that's one change that will be happening is uh, they should be, uh, they should have been called. I don't know why they weren't, but uh, that's one that has to be worked out with the 911 system. The other thing we have a uh, ongoing, uh, and this has been going on before this situation, is the discussion of ambulance services with the fire department, the private sector, as far as the ambulance companies and the hospitals. How can we make sure that we were providing the best coverage possible for the citizens of Springfield? Uh, Treasurer Busher on, on the same case. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I would like to just say that um, anytime someone loses their life in our community, it is a sad day. And I pray for Mr. Moore's entire family because it was a bad situation. If it wasn't racial bias, it was sheer hate that drove the persons to do what they did. And that is not acceptable in our community. 
not at all. I do believe that the city should talk to the ambulance companies because we license those companies at the city of Springfield. The fire chief has the authority to do so. Our Springfield firefighters, who are very hardworking men and women, have been discussing out loud about how they have to climb in the back of an ambulance to offer medical services because the ambulance companies do not have the proper personnel for it. That discussion has been going on for two years. Mr. Moore's life was lost. We all need to remember that, and we need to remember as city officials our responsibilities to hold all of our businesses accountable in Springfield. Thank you. Um, I'm going to move on to something that's a little familiar to me, a political kind of question. So, okay. uh, and this goes to Treasurer Busher first. Um, and I'm going to set it up by just talking about both of you. Mayor Langfelder votes in Democratic primaries, but in 2016 didn't endorse in the Bruce Rauner J.B. Pritzker race, saying that you have to work with any governor. Treasurer Busher, you attended Donald Trump's 2015 Springfield rally, uh, and then later announced you had moved from independent to Republican and thought that Donald Trump would bring a refreshing change. The office of mayor is officially nonpartisan, mm -hmm. but I'd like to know how you define your, yourself politically and how that affects your working with others and people on all sides. I'm probably going to take the full two minutes here. Um, so uh, that was a question I answered when you interviewed me, interviewed me Bernie, yes. with who I um, voted for in the presidential election. And I voted for the candidate who I thought was going to bring new jobs, job creation, corporations back to our states, building cars. That was a promise that was made by that person. I came from a finance background, and it was important to me that we had jobs back in our community, hardworking jobs. That person did not govern the way I thought they would with that vote. And I'm sure I'm not the only person sitting in this room that voted for someone who did not govern the way you thought they would. And I say that because our last 10 governors, four landed in prison. So I'm sure that and I'm not you, the only one. About, are you talking about, who are you talking about bringing cars? President Trump? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's the answer there. As far as how I would govern as mayor, we are nonpartisan. And I think it's no secret that I have Democrats and Republicans helping me along the way and on my team. When you govern, you have to govern like the American Eagle. The American Eagle is the symbol of freedom for us. It has a right wing and a left wing. It doesn't have two right wings, it won't go anywhere. It doesn't have two left wings, it won't go anywhere. But I will govern with a right wing and a left wing so Springfield can soar. Yeah, I, as a follow, are you able to say who you voted for for president in 2020 in the Trump-Biden race? I will tell you who I will vote for in every city election, and it will be when I'm on the ballot, and it's me. Okay. okay. <laughs> and the other, the other big race that just happened, because I'm going to ask the mayor also, uh, there was the Darren Bailey, uh, J.B. Pritzker race. Can you say how you voted on that one? I have learned that I am okay to have boundaries and not talk about my voting record. Okay. Um, mayor, uh, same question to you about, uh, uh, well, and for example, there was the mm -hmm. non-endorsement in the Rauner Pritzker race, which some Democrats were mad at you about. <laughs> uh, where are you on the continuum today? Well, people getting mad at the uh, with the mayor on a certain decision that comes with the territory. I mean, that's not the easiest 
seat to make the decisions, and you have to make difficult decisions. Sometimes you have backers that uh, donate tens of thousands of dollars, and you go against them. And uh, that's not easy, but you have to take the stance and using the, uh, you know, the symbolism of the American Eagle. You have to make sure the American Eagle has no strings attached because the American Eagle stands for America. And that's why we have to do what's in the best interest of the city. Mm-hmm. But with regards to the, what, uh, the whole thing with the Ronner, Pritzker, uh, you do have to work with whoever you're uh, dealing with. So I did work with Governor Ronner. That's how we uh, move forward with some initiatives. I worked with Governor Pritzker. Uh, thankfully, they had the capital bill. And the importance of that, we secured funding for the capital bill. And that allowed us to get $125 million for that project that was leveraged with the federal dollars to make it uh, complete or nearing completion by 2025. But with regards to myself, I am a Kennedy Democrat. Some people in today's world would view that as a Republican. But what it stands for is standing up for the people and understanding the fiscal constraints that you have. But you don't lose sight of serving the public. That's what this is all about. And that's what is my moral compass with regards to the mayor's office. And that's how I serve the public. Thank you, Mayor. As a, as a follow, uh, can you say if you voted for Governor Pritzker over Darren Bailey this year? I voted for Governor Pritzker twice. And uh, did you also vote for President Biden? And would you do so again if he runs? I voted for uh, the president, and uh, I would have to wait and see. Gotcha. Okay. Next question. Uh, we'll go back to a city issue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the mayor. Uh, what plans uh, would you implement to help the city, uh, or are you implementing, or, w- or and will you, to get ready for the phase-out of coal-fired electric generation in coming decades? Well, really, the key to energy, and we should learn this from a pandemic, anything can happen. You have to have a balanced energy resource. So in my estimation, that will include uh, coal to some degree, and we're moving forward with the University of Illinois through a partnership, through a carbon capture project. We've already done a pilot where it captured, I think it was 98% of the carbon, and you use it for a viable byproduct for farming and agriculture. And then uh, the importance of that is we're scaling it up to the next level, and if it proves successful, which it probably will, they'll go full scale on Dalman 4. That's our uh, unit that's built to the 2030 Obama uh, energy standards. But the importance of that carbon capture it will prove successful and it will open up economic and environmental uh, markets across the globe because we can do everything we want to in the United States, but if we allow China and um, India and other countries to pollute to their heart's content, it's not going to do any good. And I'll just give you one example. I've mentioned this many times. We had a, a visiting mayor from Janine City, China, pre-pandemic, and he asked how many power plants you have. And I said, one. I said, how many coal-fired power plants do you have? 33 in one city. They didn't have scrubbers or anything of that nature, so you can imagine the damage they're doing to our environment. But it's going to be a proper mix with natural gas. We're partnering with Emberclear, uh, as well as solar and coal. But the thing is, when someone needs to turn up the heat to get heat in the cold months or air conditioning or you want to flip on the lights, you want to make sure that it happens with a reliable source of power. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Treasurer Busher. The future without, eventually without coal. So it's clear that we, were, we will have to stop generating power with our coal-fired power plant, with what is going on in our entire country, with the stopping of those sorts of plants and the pollution that is created. 
But we do not want to lose city water, light, and power. Our citizens don't want to lose city water, light, and power. This comes up when I knock on doors all the time. We need base load power generation, and there's different ways we can go about that in addition to renewable energy. So we need a balance of renewables, and right now renewables are really expensive and it's hard to get solar panels because of the supply chain issues. So when the timing is right and the price is right, we have to increase our footprint on renewables. But then we also need a baseload power generation, and we need to explore, and I've talked to some of our engineers at City Water Light and Power, and then my husband and I went and met with some engineers at Paducah Power in Paducah, Kentucky. And we talked about the options of what we could do to generate our own baseload power from City Water Light and Power. I'm already working on that issue for you. Thank you. Um, this next question We'll go to Treasurer Busher first. Campaign finance reports show that you are getting significant support from labor unions. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with labor? Do strong unions help or hurt the city and its government? And should the city administration enforce all rules in union contracts? So we have coffee every Saturday, right? I'm kidding. We don't. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm a practical joker at heart. Um, <laughs> Got that from my dad <laughs> over there. Uh, my, my relationship with unions is I'm a woman of my word. And the unions know I'm a woman of my word. And my word is project labor agreements are not in place at the city of Springfield when they need to be. And then if there is something in place for a project labor agreement or so that we're paying prevailing wage, we don't monitor it right now. We've been caught, for lack of better words, with our pants down, not monitoring it. So labor knows that I will enforce the rules we have on the books. And that's all they're asking for, is someone for enforcement with the rules, to be fair. That's all they want. That's my relationship, a fair mayor. Mayor Langfelder. And what was the question, please? The question is, um, Treasurer Busher is getting uh, some clearly some campaign finance support from unions in town. What is your relationship with labor? Do strong unions help or hurt the city and its government? And should the city administration enforce all rules in union contracts? Yeah, I think it depends who you ask. If you ask the, ask the hierarchy of uh, some unions there, you know, they, we've, uh, you know, bucked heads, so to speak. And then uh, the rank and file, though, they don't even understand why they're not supporting me. So it cr cuts across the uh, whole dynamic of the unions. But with regards to the relationship, I think we have a good relationship, uh, so good that during when we were building the YMCA project, two of the unions came in and they were asking uh, why one union was doing uh, the work of, that they would typically do. So that's the importance of a project labor agreement to make sure everybody does the work that they're, uh, you know, they've been trained to do and move forward in that direction. So uh, for us, we're doing a PLA with the uh, fire stations uh, and really with the private sector if they're putting in private funds, it's their decision whether they want to do project labor agreements. Now, if they're receiving city resources, of course you have to abide by city rules, paying prevailing wage, things of that nature. But the importance of what we need to do and the direction we need to take is rebuilding our community, and that's through pre-apprenticeship opportunities. And that's what we're trying to do with Bone Training Center that was blocked by the city council. It shouldn't have been to rebuild houses, and we've all heard about dilapidated houses, we brought that initiative forward. Unfortunately, it got blocked, I think, by a union or unions. 
but really that's the future is how do you partner together to make sure that we have the qualified workforce, whether they're in the union, at least have this pre-apprentice program so we can rebuild our future for all of us. Thank you. Uh, next question goes to the mayor first, Mayor Langfelder. The, the so-called Y block downtown <laughs> remains a field of grass. How long would you like, or how would you like to see that area developed, and why is it taking so long? Well, now it's called the Y block, and I want to go, Y block! <laughs> That's what we want to do. But actually, uh, you know, we, it's development ready. I think uh, this, guy, <laughs> this got caught up in the last governor's election uh, with Governor Rahner. He had a $9 million proposal to redo the block. And um, I was embarrassed to say when I was at the U.S. Conference of Mayors, they touted uh, it was Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And they touted the mayor because he used like $600,000 of TIF funds uh, to redo an area and revitalize their downtown. I used a million dollars on the Bicentennial Plaza, which everybody likes. It was under, uh, I believe, one of PLA, they did union work. 98% of our work is done by the unions. Uh, but I got blasted for that. But it's a transformational project. We did the underground water tank storage uh, to help with the drainage on the Y block and brought the, uh, helped bring the Levitt Concert Series, thanks to Lisa Stott and DSI and others, um, to make that continue. And they're investing in it again because they want to see that develop. But it got caught up in a governor's race, and I think uh, the current governor definitely saw that and stepped away, and he wants to know what's important to us as a community. What would you like to see? Hi, Kayla. And she's with DSI now carrying the banter. But uh, what we're doing is working with DSI and others to make it a usable block. It will be a public space for everybody's enjoyment uh, and moving forward in that direction. So it really magnifies the importance in bringing people downtown and also tourism, things of that nature. So we'll work with the state and the uh, community partners to Th develop it. Thank, Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Treasurer Busher on the Y Block. So there was a promise four years ago in the mayoral race that downtown would be revitalized through the completion of the Ferguson Booth building and the Y Block have something on it. It's still just grass. So I decided about what questions you're going to ask me, Bernie, and uh, I thought this would be one of them. And I closed my eyes and thought, what would I like to see there? And as a dreamer, what I want to see would be an outdoor cinema, like movies in the park so that we still have green space down there in the downtown area for the people who live downtown, the people who visit. We could have movies and it would complement the Levitt Amp series, it would still be green space. We could have baseball games on and it would create fun activity for downtown Springfield. When you go to the Levitt Amp series and you go down there and you see the musicians on stage, I see friends from Pleasant Plains, New Berlin, people come into our town for that concert series. So let's do something else on that green space to create excitement, but also have a nice space downtown where there is green space where people can hang out. Thank you. Uh, this question goes to you first, Treasurer Busher. Mm -hmm. uh, what would be your specific plan? And I know there are some, there's plans around in town, but what would be your specific plan that you would get behind to get people who are now homeless off the streets and to provide them opportunities? So the Homeless Initiative is something near and dear to my heart. A little over two years ago, the Center for Health and Housing was proposed, and it was supported by our medical district financially, and it was supported by some of our aldermen and alderwomen, and it was stopped. And for two years, we just kind of left the homeless population hang out. 
And that wasn't okay with me. These are human beings, people with thoughts, feelings, hearts, and problems. That's why they're homeless. They're not homeless because their life is exactly where they want it to be. So we as the community need to do something. I commend the Heartland Continuum of Care for the project they have put forward. Their plan is to get the homeless population into transitional housing, housing. And then they eventually want to get those homeless persons into functional zero, which means they're in permanent housing. I will support this from day one as mayor. The other initiative I want to compliment is Sangamon County took the reins on this homeless situation and they are going to convert part of the juvenile detention center for the helping hand. So we have a 24 hour shelter, which we do not have for families, fathers with children, mothers with children, because right now families can't stay together in a shelter. This shelter is what we need, and I will also support that initiative from day one as mayor. Thank you. Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, the uh, Center for Health and Housing, that was supported by probably 98% of our community. Right concept, wrong location. And it passed city council. The reason it didn't go forward is a potential lawsuit. And people think it was a zoning lawsuit. It wasn't a zoning lawsuit. It, was, it would have been a civil rights lawsuit, 2019. Pandemic hits. And we all saw what unfolded across our country. We had social unrest because people's voices weren't being heard, except in Springfield. We listened to the east side. They were tired of places of that piling up on 11th Street. So we brought a proposal to change it and uh, put it on 9th Street. But the city council didn't want to hear that. We asked for a 30-day extension, which is 100% automatic. Didn't matter what type of zoning automatic that the council would approve a 30-day extension for a contentious neighborhood issue. Alderman Gregory had the fortitude to ask for that extension. It was turned down. Turned down. So uh, wrong location where we've been. People haven't been hanging out. Thanks to the Salvation Army and Helping Hands, they partnered during the pandemic. They housed all the homeless, and they protected them during the pandemic. The city of Springfield protected them through funding the Salvation Army Low Barrier Shelter for anybody that needed supportive services. And we partner with Memorial to provide those supportive services. We have a homeless outreach team to uh, work with people on the streets to get them into a better position in life. And we'll continue to work with the Continuum of Care to make sure that the Heartland Housing Project, along with wraparound services, is a success. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Mm -hmm. um, I will now move to the water question. A water question uh, goes to the mayor first. Springfield has spent decades seeking permits to build a second lake as a water source. With phasing out of coal-fired plants that use a lot of water and with more water-saving plumbing fixtures, should the city continue in its quest for the lake, for the second lake, or abandon that option? Uh, without a doubt, we're getting a recorded decision within a year. And uh, previously, discussions with Army Corps of Engineers, they said that it was uh, kind of disrupted when you have a change of administrations that loses the focus on the direction we need to take. So they wanted to make sure that we were committed to having a secondary source of water and pr moving forward through that whole process, which we did, and they said we'd have a record of decision on Hunter Lake, whether yes or no. But the important thing, we have to have a backup water source. The reason being, we're a regional supplier of water. 
We supply our bedroom communities. Chatham has our own water source. They've called us at least 10 times to supply water. Otherwise, they'd have a boil order. But the cities that grow in the future have to have a quality, reliable source of water. And we have that with Lake 2, but we need to have a backup water source because we have no backup plan. Our backup plan is damming the Sangamon River, and that would be catastrophic for the region. So you look at what's happening out west, and you understand the importance of water. But again, the, uh, the future definitely is with water, and you have to follow through with the process and get that record of decision and move forward in that direction. So you, you're a Lake 2 advocate still? Yes, sir. Um, Treasurer Busher. Yes, sir. Uh, going out, knocking on doors, talking to the public, this is a question that comes up often because the public says this has gone on since the 1960s. I wasn't even born yet. So this has gone on for a very long time. Hunter Lake is a secondary water source that an application is currently on file by our administration to be built from the Army Corps of Engineers. They're looking for approval. If approved, the only way this lake should be built would be if it is deep enough for sport fishing, has horseback riding trails, walking trails, camping, and its true recreational purpose in addition to the secondary water source. But we have to have a discussion with you, our citizens, because this comes with a price, a very large price tag, and you need to be told what it's going to cost to build it because the city doesn't have the money just sitting around. Our water fund is very low. You also need to keep in mind our current lake, Lake Springfield, we've neglected for quite some time. So if we're not taking care of one lake, how are we going to take care of two lakes? If the application is not approved, we need to look at the value of the land and use the land for its highest and best resource. But if the application is improved, you would go ahead and build if you, if you could. The first thing I would do would be having, uh, we would put together the cost, and we would have a discussion with our citizens of what that cost would be. If we bond it out, your water bills are going to go up. Okay. It's a fact. So what do the citizens want? Do they want that? I will go, uh, I think, one more question before th that commercial break. Uh, Treasurer Busher, uh, Springfield's, is Springfield's east side getting enough attention from the city administration, and how do you balance development and redevelopment in that older part of town with new development on the west side and elsewhere? So I do not believe our east side is getting the attention it needs. I think we have neglected our responsibilities on the east side of Springfield. I live in the north side of Springfield, and we have older areas there that have been neglected as well. My husband has a business in Ward 3. It's been neglected in that area. What we need to do to start off on the east side is curb appeal. We need to start taking care of the streets, the curbs, the sidewalks. We need to have an adopt-a-street program where we keep the streets cleaned, picked up, and beautified. When businesses come into town and we drive them around and tell them we want them to put their business on the east side, we need to show them we're proud of that area. So we need to take care of it ourselves. So the first thing I would do is curb appeal, put my money where my mouth is, and fix up our infrastructure on the east side. Mayor Langfelder, enough attention to that part of town. It, needs, uh, it always needs attention uh, with regards to you drive through any part of the community and you want all of it to be thriving, right? 
And so uh, with the east part of the town, uh, especially, uh, we put forward initiatives that were essentially blocked by the city council. I mentioned the one with Calvin Pitts and bone training. How do you redo um, five houses? But we're going to magnify that. We're not giving up. And uh, sometimes you get the calls and they're difficult. Uh, and, uh, for instance, Salvation Army. We uh, had a shelter. It was right across the street from Horse Man. The trains were supposed to be moved over there. I made the difficult decision to move it over to where it's at now. Gold's Gym, it's a community center. It's providing services, whether it's medical, housing, assistance, also food, and also activities for the youth. And so we're turning that whole area into a teen empowerment zone, partnering, looking at those initiatives. But when I cast that vote, it was 5-5. I had to cast a deciding vote. Teresa Haley, who I consider a friend, Channel 20 interviewed her, said, what do you think of Mayor Langfelder? To hell with Mayor Langfelder. So the next day, I called her up said, hey, Teresa, how's it going? Oh, everything's fine. She's ready to move on to the next project because she understands the importance of working together. Not all everybody in our community understands that, but we appreciate that. And one of the initiatives was the NAACP back at school program. During the pandemic, the council blocked improving an initiative for their building so they could get children out of the house back into school where they needed to be with the NAACP. I made the decision to take that expenditure. I got criticized by the council. But those are the types of decisions you have to make because it's in the best interest of our city. And with that, we'll take uh, five minutes to relax. Live coverage continues momentarily here on 92.7 WMAY-FM, Taylorville, Springfield. On 92.7 WMAY, this forum is sponsored by the Illinois Times, Springfield Business Journal, the Greater Springfield Chamber of Commerce, and 92.7 WMAY and Midwest Family Broadcasting. Once again, Bernie Schoenberg. I'm Bernie Schoenberg. We have Treasurer Misty Busher and Mayor Jim Langfelder running for mayor. And uh, I did get some audience questions, so thank you. And um, a combination of mine and theirs will take up the rest of the time. So the next question uh, starts with Mayor Langfelder. Uh, And this is kind of a combination of something I had, but also one of the outside questions. Gambling machines have become prevalent in Springfield bars and restaurants. Is this a good thing? And should the city seek to have a... Land base, a land casino built here. Uh, with regards to uh, video gaming, and specifically, nobody saw the proliferation, uh, you know, but it brings in great revenues to rebuild our roads moving that direction. Uh, with a casino, what we need is a casino license and allow the city council to make the determination whether or not a casino is the right fix. So, when we had the difficult discussion about the Wyndham, that's why I brought the proposal to the table is to have options. And so what we want is the legislature to give the capital city the right to have a casino if they so choose and be the city council. But people, uh, some uh, history here, uh, it's my understanding that we'd have to have a referendum first. But most importantly, we want to make sure that we have the ability to have a licensed casino if it deems necessary for the city of Springfield. But it could be a viable asset to, to have, especially when you're dealing with the Wyndham Hotel it's a 400-unit hotel. It's zoned right now, so everybody understands, for 200 apartments, 200 hotel rooms. But they cannot get financing. We're just on a call with the SSGA, the uh, developer, trying to get financing on the hotel side, and that's the challenge, and we'll be talking to community banks. 
uh, about this particular situation to see if we can get the financing. But I believe a casino, at least we have that option to give us flexibility to prove if we want to exercise it and make sense, we'll do it. Treasurer Busher. As far as the uh, gaming facilities we have now, we need to honor the licenses we've issued. People are paying their bills off of owning and operating those. So we need to honor that. As far as the casino goes, in 2019, our governor Pritzker, he allowed six municipalities, six cities, the license to have a casino. Those cities lobbied for years to our legislators and our governor to get those licenses. To my knowledge, Springfield has not started lobbying yet for that. It takes time. I do not think a casino belongs downtown at all. Two of the cities that got those casino licenses, Aurora and Joliet, originally thought they were putting the casinos downtown and have moved them to the outskirts of town. It's not where the casino belongs. So we need to have a healthy, proactive discussion with our citizens to see if our citizens support a casino. I can honestly tell you, just knocking on doors, talking to people in my campaign, it's about 50-50 right now. Half of our citizens like it, half do not. As a mayor, what you want doesn't matter. You represent the citizens of your community, and you represent the employees at the city. Those are the two interests you take to heart, not your own personal interest. So I would have a healthy, proactive discussion with our community. If it's what the community supports, then we have to lobby for that. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, next question. Uh, it's one from an audience member and goes to Treasurer Busher first. And this has been discussed for some years, putting um, uh, garbage fees on CWLP bills. Would mm -hmm. you support that idea? So I think this is an inner-city, older neighborhood situation because I'm very active with that group and support them. Um, I live in a subdivision out north, Twin Lakes, and we have our garbage on our homeowners association bill. It's not a private contract like you all might have with your home. And so what that means is every Friday, everyone that lives where I live has their cans and their recycle bins out, and the garbage hauler comes through our subdivision once. Some of you live in areas where you have garbage haulers every single day in your area. And you see garbage cans every day when you drive to work and you drive home. I do not know that feeling. I've lived in my home for over 30 years. So I do feel that we have to look at when the garbage haulers come to specific areas, it needs to be quadrants. And if there is a problem then with having people in their homes have garbage pickup, then we should look at our options if it needs to go on the bill. Because you live in a different world than I live in. Because I don't see that every day like you do. My life seems pretty cool only on Friday. We all have our cans out and they go up when you get home from work at night. A lot of you in this audience don't have that luxury. Mayor Langfelder? Yeah, right now, if uh, someone doesn't have service and uh, we have to sign them up for service, that's the option we have is put it on our bill or put it on their bill for the utility. So it's a private sector issue, and that's what their pushback is from the private sector side is uh, proprietary uh, customers, things of that nature. But I'm in favor of putting it on a bill. I think people are used to convenience, things of that nature. 
But going back to the casino, I think uh, I had a lengthy discussion with the video gaming or restaurants or bars over at Motorheads. And this issue, of course, we discussed at length. But what I said is the casino I envision is table games, not the video games and things of that nature. Uh, we're talking about garbage fees? No, I already answered yeah. that question. I'd said I'm in favor of putting on the okay, bills. Okay, if, okay. if we can work it out with the private sector, but I want to clarify the casino. Because okay, somebody, okay. I think people envision this large-scale uh, casino with video gaming. You have to protect the restaurants and the bar owners. And what I proposed was table games, and you can restrict it through the legislature. And so that's what you should be doing, because that's the part that's going by the wayside. And that would add... I think you have an ad benefit if it's the right location, if the desires there. Like I said, you have to have a referendum and move forward in that direction. But we should at least have the option to uh, exercise if we so choose. Okay. Uh, to the mayor, another audience question. Uh, what are your views or thoughts about Capital Township being combined with the city of Springfield? <laughs> well, I think everybody knows I'm for it because uh, Capital Township is the city of Springfield. And the reason I know that is when I used to play softball at Robin Roberts Stadium, Jamie Toole of the Horseshoes is here. We appreciate his investment in Springfield. When you signed up under the Springfield Recreation Department, you had to put what <clears throat> township you're in as always capital. So our tax dollars are going to Capital Township. We annexed all the properties around the lake. <clears throat> and what was supposed to happen is they were supposed to come into Capital Township, but now they were retained by Woodside Township because of a loop in the legislature and the uh, law. And so the voters could retain them, which they did, so they're paying higher property taxes out of, at the lake with regards to Woodside. So the issue on the ballot today, uh, or will be on April 4th, we encourage you to vote yes for that consolidation because it closes that loophole. It provides uh, tax relief to our property taxpayers. And with Capital Township, we provide the services associated with uh, utility assistance, and uh, we'd uh, be able to save dollars and move forward in a better way by eliminating a taxing body. Treasurer Busher on Capital Township and the city of Springfield and their combination or not. So the mayor brought this issue up several years ago, quite frankly. So it's been, what, three years, Mayor, I think, mm -hmm. before when you brought it up. It was pre-COVID. Um, and when I heard his idea about this, I am a person who asks lots of questions explores and finds out the details. So I went and got my tax assessor's license. I'm a certified tax professional. I can assess your property if I so wanted to. I'm certified. But through that knowledge, spending my own dollars, not the city's dollars, to get that assessment, my husband and I invested in that for, for me to know for you, the taxpayer, what's going on. We at the city do not have the software to assess all the properties in the city, the county has that software right now. The county is your assessor. How are we gonna pay for that? How are we gonna pay for the software? How are we gonna pay for the people that go out and do the assessments? Because one person cannot do all of Capital Township. Capital Township offers housing initiatives, counseling, help with utility bills. That would be a whole new thing we're gonna take on. So has anyone shown the figures and the calculations of all the expenses to run that versus what you're gonna take in an additional revenue. Because I don't want extra costs for my taxpayers. Uh, just to follow up on that, uh, as we have combined city services with county services or, or the park district in the past, there's usually a transfer of some employees and perhaps equipment, like when the parks came over from the city to the park district. So wouldn't you expect there to be a natural flow of some employees 
at the township instead of working at the county, they'd work with the city? I think that's something we would have to talk to the Capital Township Board about. I don't think we can assume anything. Okay. Uh, next question, uh, and your moderator is going to express a pet peeve through this one. Uh-oh. So it starts with Treasurer uh, Busher. I'm probably not the only person who has noticed that many drivers in Springfield blow through red lights. <laughs> Should the city push to allow red light cameras that can lead to tickets? If not, do you have a strategy to attack this problem? So funny that you say that because I say Springfield is the red light running capital of the world is what I say because I've almost gotten hit three separate times um, the clerk and I are not allowed parking spaces where the rest of the city parks. We have to park in the Wyndham garage. So we, I cross the street to and from to get to work. And I've almost gotten hit at least three times. Two of the people I knew that almost hit me, one of them called and apologized. So, <laughs> but that stoplight gets blown. Um, so I would be in favor of red light cameras, A, it takes some of the work off of our working men and women at the Springfield Police Department who are already under a lot of stress and a lot of extra duties, and they're understaffed. But I think that our state has a rule about red light cameras. I, I think so I don't think that we legislation would have to be passed to allow, so you'd that. have to yeah. push to We'd allow be in trouble. Yeah. So does that mean you would push the state legislature to move on it? Um, I'm not opposed to talking to the state legislature about it. Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, first on closure on the uh, Capital Township issue, the, the voters voted, I think it was 90% to consolidate with the town, uh, county, but they haven't consolidated. So that's that. Uh, so we would work with the county to make sure it's done effectively. Uh, with regards to red light cameras, it has to be approved by the legislature. Uh, would we support it? Sure, if it's a law. But uh, really what we get complaints about, especially the city council members, so I'm sure it's coming from the general public, is speeding. So in this year's budget, we've allocated $200,000 for digital uh, data collecting uh, speed limit signs. If you want to see one, you could go on 11th Street or Leland Grove. I think they have one across from their uh, city hall there. And it's digital. It'll collect the information. So what we would do is allow council members to put up, I think we have four per ward. They put it up in streets that they think that speeders are happening. We'd be able to collect that information. Then they're mobile. You can move them elsewhere. Then you can deploy police if it's chosen that that is a speed area to uh, make sure you're doing proper enforcement. So you're using data to really deploy the assets that you have within your community to keep our community safe and neighborhoods safe. Thank you. Uh, this next question goes to the mayor first. Um, and I know that there are some things in the works looking at this, but should on-street parking remain free downtown forever, or do you want to use parking meters? And if so, what kind of meters? Well, if there's, uh, we get to the point with meters, it has to be convenient. You know, so they have to accept credit cards. They have GPS readers so you understand what uh, is available for mapping because one of the myths downtown, there's no parking. Well, just come downtown and you look around. Uh, there's parking available, but I think people don't have that understanding. So we need to do a better job keeping our surface lots and activating those. But with regards to meters, will they come back? They'll come back when the need is for our retailers because parking enforcement is to move traffic downtown. It's for our retailers and restaurants. So they have customers that can park and, uh, you know, uh, support their, uh, their businesses. So uh, with the state of Illinois being out or largely remote, that, hasn't, uh, that need hasn't arisen. So we'll continue to assess the situation. But we do have a downtown plan, uh, again, with the medical community 
thanks to uh, DSI that's shepherding that and other investors, city and uh, I think uh, Land of Lincoln Community Foundation. But one of the plans is how does infrastructure integrate between downtown, the medical community, uh, traffic patterns. So that will be part of that discussion and working together to make sure we have a viable solution. But nothing's going to take place until we actually have that need uh, to start moving the traffic again. Okay, so it's a little up in the... Up, okay. Right, we're okay. assessing it. Uh, okay. So, uh, Treasurer Busher on meters or not. Yes, sir. Uh, this is a public debate the mayor and I had many years ago. Pre-COVID, the administration was going to spend over a million dollars buying new parking meters. And I did not see where that was beneficial to spend that kind of money on parking meters. Thank God we did not because then we had the pandemic. And the pandemic has changed how our workforce works from now till forever. People want hybrid work environments. People want to work from home. You are going to have state workers who will work from home from now on. I have a neighbor that works at Illinois State Police. She hasn't been to work since the pandemic. She's allowed to work from home now. So your downtown dynamic has changed because the types of workers that are downtown are less. If it were up to me, I would look at the parking zones and what a zone is, is if it says it's two hours, three hours, four hours, however long you can be there. Make sure the zones are appropriate for the businesses that are there at this time. I would take out the meters. I would not buy new meters. It would be free to park on the street. But I would increase the price of the parking ticket. We have people who work downtown who abuse the free parking that's down there because it's cheaper to try and roll the dice and see if they only get one or two parking tickets at 10, 20 bucks. One's $10, the second one is $10, 20 bucks costs at least $30 to have a parking space downtown for the month. So it's cheaper for them to get the tickets. If you make the ticket hurt, the people who work downtown will not take those spaces and they'll be available for the people coming to visit. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll move on to another issue, uh, and this goes to Treasurer Busher first. Uh, how do you view the current status of race relations in Springfield, and how will you work with groups including the NAACP, ACLU, Faith Coalition, and Black Lives Matter Springfield? So I have been a monthly donor of Faith Coalition for the Common Good for over eight years. I've been a constant supporter of Faith Coalition. Um, I will work tirelessly for our race relations. Our minority hiring at the city of Springfield is dismal. We have 1,300 employees, and of those 1,300 employees, 15.8% are minorities. That's all minorities. That's not a good figure. In the treasurer's office, when I took office, our minority hiring was under 10%. It is at 30% with me as your treasurer, and it's going to be, after February 6th, 37% because I have a new employee coming in. When we have job openings coming available, we need to work with our minority community to bring those numbers up and get applications in to get the jobs filled. That's what I've done in the treasurer's office. Mayor. Thank you. Uh, you know, with the minority community, especially uh, uh, black African-American uh, community, we've worked very hard. I used to do community reinvestment in banking. That's where they send an individual in to areas uh, that needed help and develop bank programs. So I was the one that they sent in to develop those types of programs, build the level of trust. And how we gained it uh, and, you know, transferring it to the mayor's office is through our community engagement. 
uh, you know, with our police department specifically. That's why we didn't have the civil unrest that you had in Champaign, Bloomington, Peoria. We had burning out of uh, buildings and breaking and vandalism, uh, things of that nature. We didn't have that because of that community engagement. That's not something you can turn on with a light switch. That takes years and years of trust building, and that's what we've done. So we, uh, is it perfect? No. Uh, we never sit back and say, oh, we've done it all and wash our hands. You continue to move forward and see how you can make things better, just not for the, uh, uh, all uh, minority communities because you see what's happening throughout our country. You know, people are acting out with different ethnicities. That's not acceptable in Springfield, especially in Lincoln's hometown. So we uh, want to be the model city for everybody to understand that we take uh, race relations seriously and will not tolerate any type of action uh, in hate. Uh, this next one starts with the mayor, Is, and it, it's about infrastructure. Is the city on the right track on infrastructure, including upgrading old sewers and roads, uh, while also advancing new development? Uh, we're on the right track, but unless your road's done or your sewer's taken care of, it's not the right track. Uh, there's, you know, there's 60-plus uh, <laughs> miles road, or, and that's the, uh, just the uh, chip and oil roads, but it's immense, uh, the amount of uh, miles and miles of sewers and uh, uh, roads that we're doing, so... I'll give uh, thanks to Mike, uh, Mike Houston, former Mayor Mike Houston. Um, actually, he put together the infrastructure plan that uh, continued, but we built on that and continue to fund uh, the program where we're putting in, I think it's over $15 million a year. And then uh, also with our ARPA funds, we're designated it towards um, you know, sewers, things of that nature. Uh, so there's always uh, improvements to be made, but we're in the best fiscal condition ever. You know, we have $172 million in this year's budget that we're going to go towards long-term capital needs. That's why we're able to build three uh, modernized fire, department, or fire stations that haven't been done in 25 years and moving in that direction uh, to keep up with the growth that Springfield has had. And we're finally catching up in this year's budget, just to give you a, a point of reference. Usually it's 80% personnel. This year's budget is uh, on personnel, it's about 55%. So that tells you the amount of capital that we're expending because of our good fiduciary management, of, and that's just corporate fund dollars uh, and then, uh, with a $60 million fund balance, but we do have ARPA dollars that we're dispensing as well. Thank you. Uh, Treasurer Busher. Was this a note card question? Uh, this was a Bernie question. I love it, Bernie. This <laughs> is part of my platform. Thanks. Um, we didn't collude, did we? I, <laughs> Did we have coffee? I don't think I think so. we did with the unions. Um, anyway, uh, infrastructure is important to me. Infrastructure has been ignored in our community for way too long. We've been having ward meetings for eight years now, and every ward every year says, our streets have potholes, they're a mess. Our sewers have a mess, whether it's storm sewers or whether it's the sewage sewer. People want those things fixed. It's fundamental issues. When we received the first round of ARPA money in 2020, American Rescue Plan Act, sorry about that, dollars from the federal government, I sent an email to the budget director, public works director, and the mayor, and I said, I'm not a voting member of the city council, but I want to have my voice heard now. The majority of this money needs to be spent on our sewers. They are a mess all over the city. We are at, according to the budget kickoff last night, 
a place where we have a lot of additional revenue. And the budget director talked about how we're spending down that additional revenue this year. And I brought with me the planned use of corporate fund balance spend down. I don't see streets, I don't see sewers. So we have all this money, but we're not fixing our problems. I wouldn't do that as your mayor. For the next question, I will move on to something political, uh, to uh, Treasurer Busher first. Uh, candidates for city treasurer uh, are Deputy Treasurer Colleen Redpath-Fager, City Budget Director Bill McCarty, Park District Trustee Lisa Badger. Are you taking sides in that race, and will you endorse in contested races for city council? So clearly, uh, Colleen Redpath-Fager is my deputy treasurer. Colleen's worked at the city for 20 years, so she was there way before I was there. Um, but I'm one of those people, when I see good people in city government, I look at promoting them. If you talk to my office staff, not just Deputy Fager, some other staff is here as well, I promote my staff. I give them the promotions they deserve and need because they're hardworking people. So I saw Colleen working in a different department and I knew she was capable of more. So I brought her on and I thought the intention would be I would be the treasurer for eight years and if she wanted to run, then she could but my leadership skills took over and I'm running for mayor. Um, so I do say that Colleen is my choice and she will, I did say I would only say I would vote for myself, but I'm gonna vote for Colleen. I will and and will you, are you taking sides in aldermanic races also? Um, I am close to a lot of people in the aldermanic races um, and I'm close to some that are uncontested, which is great as well. Um, so uh, I don't know that I'm gonna do public endorsements. I've never, and I'm 52 never endorsed anyone ever in my life, so I don't know why I would start now. But. Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, the, uh, with regards to Director McCarty, uh, I don't hold people back, and I understand the reason he wants to seek the office of treasurer. It, you know, he has ambitions and a direction in life that he'd like to take. Uh, selfishly, I hope uh, he remains uh, OBM director, right? Because that means I win, and he wins, and we all win. But uh, with regards to, uh, you know, equal opportunity with the uh, uh, Lisa Badger, you know, she brings her own credentials with regards to uh, serving the park district, has been very active with uh, Comer Cox Park and understands the importance of working with government entities and serving the public, uh, moving that direction, as I'm sure Colleen Fager being in the office does as well. So, uh, you know, I think what I encourage everybody to do is know the candidates that are running because, uh, you know, we talked about other votes that have been taken. New question to you, Treasurer Busher. Mm -hmm. Just, I know there is some ARPA money this year, but in general, there's usually not free money coming into the city, but if $10 million dropped out of the sky to help the city, what would you use it for? <laughs> I would hire police officers so that we were fully funded so I could have 11 neighborhood police officers. I want 11 NPOs, one for each ward, one for downtown. After that, because I want public safety, after that, I would use it for sewers and streets, and I would put people to work on our sewers and streets. Um, and uh, Mayor Lang, oh, by the way, could you get that done without the 10? I mean, is that something well, you're going for anyway? The sewers and streets are way more than no, 10 I mean, million, the, the so NP, I would be tapped NPO, out after a NPOs, while. The NPOs. Oh, the NPOs? Na neighborhood police officers. Yes. 
Uh, so that would be in your long range, longer range plan. So if, once we're fully staffed, that is something I think we should go okay. to. We are not fully staffed, and it'll be a while to be fully staffed. Mayor Langfelder on the $10 million free money. Yeah, the reason I chuckle is uh, that was one of our ward plan meeting discussions. That was the question we threw out there. But uh, with regards to that, um, I put the preponderance of it in our Bloomberg Harvard initiative for housing redevelopment. We were a competitive in a competitive situation where they selected seven cities throughout the country to have a model project to replicate throughout our country. And they chose Springfield for our whole block redevelopment. And what that means is that we, instead of tearing down a house, we would rebuild it. We'd put people to work. So we'd partner with a, uh, like Bone Training, Calvin Pitts, and uh, he's a multi-craft core certified trainer through the unions. He went to D.C., got his own certification, and he would teach people how to do plumbing, uh, electrical, carpentry, and partner with others to have that training. You rebuild the house, and when you're done, you have an affordable house that people can buy. And then you uh, train an individual so they can get a job at the uh, union hall or whatever the case may be, or in the private sector. So you're changing lives in many different facets. But most importantly, you're rebuilding our inner core. And when we talk about doing the sewers or doing anything else, that's where you want to rebuild it because there's the larger preponderance to increase taxes. Because the level of housing there, it's at a subpar equal evaluation. And then you rebuild the housing at a higher level. Then you generate additional taxes. You generate generational wealth for individuals that live there so they own their own home. And then you're providing career workforce training. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you now an audience question first directed at you, Mayor Langfelder. Uh, uh, according to this person, and I can't really disagree, most young people are unaware that this event is even taking place. Uh, as mayor, what is your plan to better involve basically young people in the civic life of the city? Well, we have a mayor's youth council, but uh, uh, with regards to activating additional individuals, it's really through Lincoln Land Community College. We are partnering with the Career Center uh, for Recruitment. Uh, what we have, especially with our first responders, there's a disconnect of individuals that are going to the career center for that particular field, and then they have two more years before they can test. So we are partnering with the career center or working on a program that's coming through the council's um, you know, uh, budget for their approval. But really with uh, activation, you'd have to use social media. Um, you know, TikTok is kind of uh, off limits, it sounds like. Uh, but really, I'd rely upon younger individuals to help promote activities, especially with this debate, Hopefully they're listening at home if they're not here. But I know my own daughter here is here, and she's a uh, she's a, a uh, ICU nurse uh, for cardiovascular at uh, HSHS. She went to school here at uh, had her degree through uh, ICU Illinois College of Chicago or Illinois Chicago University, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that. But we thank Ed Curtis for what he's realized and having we have. Lincoln Land Community College Partnership for Nursing. We have the ICU program at Sangamon State University, or UIS now. I used to go there. And then uh, he's doing Illinois State University and HSHS St. John's. Four higher educational nursing programs right here in Springfield. Thanks to Ed Curtis and Memorial, Thank as well as HSHS. Thank you, Mayor. Treasurer Busher on youth involvement. Uh, technology. That's why I want more tech jobs and tech industry here. Our youth love technology. I know this because people complain that kids are always in the house playing video games, that they're not outside playing ball like they used to. So if you want to get youth involved in things like this, it's technology. You advertise this through the technology that they use. 
clearly I'm campaigning, right? I have ads on Pandora, Apple Music. That's what they listen to. You have to reach the youth. They don't like what I like. I'm old to them. So you have to put yourself in their position and what is it they're into, and then that's how you get their attention and communicate with them. I'm going to do one short question before closing statements. And yes, sir. And it is to Treasurer Busher. Who is your favorite entertainer and why? Oh, it can't be myself then, right? Uh, you know, if you have a mirror, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I do. This doesn't happen by not looking in a mirror. Um, <laughs> I just don't wake up like this, Bernie. <laughs> Uh, I would say my favorite entertainer would probably be John Travolta. He plays a lot of really cool roles. If you look at a lot of the roles over the years he's played, he's danced, he's sang, he's played a villain, he's been the hero, he's been an angel. If you think about it, he's played tons of different roles. So I would probably go with John Travolta. Okay. Mayor? Yeah, as far as... Uh Theatric, it's hard to pinpoint one person, but uh, Tom Hanks would be uh, my favorite actor role with regards to his diversity or his ability to uh, take on multiple roles uh, with regards to that. And uh, so it'd have to be Tom Hanks, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of great musicians, things of that nature. But, uh, you know, so that's an interesting question. I'll have to perfect it next time. <laughs> I have a follow-up. My favorite movie is Urban Cowboy. Okay. Well, there you go. Mine's that Remember the Titans. The uh, okay. Um, because of the coin toss at the beginning, uh, Treasurer Busher uh, also gets the first closing statement for up to two minutes. Uh, Treasurer Busher, uh, you're closing. I would like to thank the mayor for being here, Bernie for being here, the sponsors for putting this on, all of you listening at home and all of you that will watch later. And I would also like to thank all of you here. This is an important, important election. Your municipal election is one of the most important elections you have because it's the people who directly affect your daily life that work with the police department, that work with the fire department, that work on streets, that work on sewers. So thank you for tuning in and I encourage you all to go vote on election day. I am running to be your mayor because I want to be the change I want to see. I want to see change in our community. And if I sit in the treasurer's office as I did, that change wasn't going to happen. So I said to my husband, I'm at a crossroads because I want to see change and if I sit in that office, I can't make that change happen. And my husband said, then we're going to go run for mayor. I want to be the sales executive you need to sell this community to bring business in. I want to work with the ambassadors at the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance to bring business to, to our community. I will be a sales executive alongside them. I will take the lead for you. I will take initiative and I will make decisions. I'm going to do that for the betterment of this entire community. Growth is very exciting. People like progress. I'm running for office, for the office of mayor, to bring you to the Springfield community growth and progress. So I would appreciate your support. Thank you. And Mayor Langfelder, for your closing statement. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Treasurer Busher, the Chamber of Commerce, Memorial Health, 
Bernie Schoenberg and tonight's media partners, the Hoagland Center, and all of you for coming tonight and those listening at home. We can't say enough. Thank you for ma making sure you share your most precious asset in your time. This election is about what's best for Springfield's future. Working together, we have successfully endured a two-year state fiscal crisis followed by a three-year health crisis, all while creating a solid financial and economic future as we head towards a uncertain global times. With my re-election, we will ensure the completion of the 10th Street Rail Consolidation Project by 2025, continue the public safety progress with our police and fire departments, and continue to grow our economy through cooperative partnerships and provide sustainable and reliable energy and water resources for the foreseeable future. As mayor, along with the city council, we built the level of trust and transparency with the public through 54 ward plan meetings, our weekly Friday neighborhood e-newsletter, and live streaming the city council meetings. This way, we all have a better understanding of our community priorities by ward and our city as a whole. Together, we work to do what is best for Springfield. Springfield is home of our greatest president, Abraham Lincoln, and we should challenge ourselves and our community to aspire to his vision. Under a Langfelder administration, Springfield will continue to strive to be the model city, especially for race relations, economic development, citywide line power, and most importantly, trust in your city government. We will not be satisfied until our entire community is thriving together and all our neighborhoods are safe and desirable for everyone to live. I'm Mayor Jim Langfelder, and I appreciate your vote on Tuesday, April 4th at the nonpartisan city election. Thank you for being here and listening. Thank you. And that wraps up our coverage of this live debate. WMAY-FM, Taylorville, Springfield. It is 7 o'clock.